Hi again, everybody, and welcome to Grumpy Old Broadcasters. This is episode 13, and it's been a while. About a month, maybe a little more, uh, between episodes. Uh, But we are here and uh, looking forward to spending some time with you over the next little bit to uh, just kind of get caught up on some things going on in the world of sports, not only here in the upstate of South Carolina where we reside, but uh, really across the sports landscape. And, man, there are some things that are really starting to happen now, not only games being played, but decisions that are being reversed. And we're going to get into all of it as best we can today. And it'll be just our grumpy old broadcaster family. Uh, One of the reasons for the delays, we've had some uh, trouble with – couple of the guests that we've had scheduled who had to cancel or things didn't work out and then other things going on with uh, work in the real world. But we're here and uh, our panel today is going to have uh, quite a bit to talk about in the world of sports, mostly college athletics, but also the NFL, Major League Baseball playoffs and anything else we can get into in the time that we have allotted. I will tell you, as always, that Grumpy Old Broadcasters, the podcast, is made possible by our friends at Todaro Pizza in downtown Greenville, and the west end of downtown Greenville, in fact, 116 North Markley Street, right down the block from Floor Field at the west end, the home of the Greenville Drive, who hopefully will be playing minor league baseball come April of 2021. But uh, despite the, the COVID virus, the, man, they have maintained Todaro Pizza has their standard of quality, standard of excellence, even when they had to shut the dining room down, they were still able to make that that great pizza available. Dining room is back open now. They still have uh, takeout and delivery available. Go check out the website, todaropizza.com, T-O-D-A-R-O, pizza.com, and you'll find out everything you need to know about hours, menu, and all the great things going on that John and his staff are doing there. todaropizza.com is the website, and our thanks to Todaro Pizza of Greenville for making this podcast possible. As mentioned, this is episode 13 of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. I am Dan Scott, one of the grumpy guys, and, well, uh, no special guests this week. We are just going to keep it in the family, so to speak, and we've got the entire band together. Cobb Oxford is here. Tom Van Hoy is here. And, of course, the lovely and talented seamstress for the band, Dory Kid Smith is here as well. How are you guys and gals? Good. Doing well, hanging in. I'm awful. Well, <laughs> and, and, you know, in, in your Eeyore type personality, we wouldn't expect anything else, right? There's nothing like a, a roof that was put in two years ago leaking in the middle of the remnants of a hurricane. Oh. Uh, day off to just a blazing start. <laughs> Bring it. I'm saying bring it. <laughs> okay. He's 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 a little testy, boys and girls. 2020, bring it. <laughs> I, I, I can handle it. You say that now. Like it. You say that now. Um, just first of all, since it's been a while since the four of us have been together, how's everybody been? Uh, we know how Cobb is currently, but how, how have you been in the last month? You know, life is pretty normal, to be honest with you, um, in upstate South Carolina. I mean, Clemson Boulevard is packed again, and um, I, you really can't tell a whole lot's going on. Hopefully, high school football gets started here shortly and in, uh, in our area. And uh, I know this union has shut it down, uh, so I don't know how that's going to affect everything, but uh, – haven't heard anything out of Hannah and Westside other than full steam ahead. So um, now, when you say normal, you don't mean young Frankenstein-esque Abby normal, right? You're you're saying that no, things no, are actually no, close no. to being normal. Normal? No, no. We're uh, and I and this is the I refuse to use the term new normal. Getting getting back to the real normal. I got you. Tom, you're hoping that Hannah and Westside play because you've got some uh, TV football games at stake, right? Yeah, my 40 is going to uh, have six games this year. Uh, they're, they're based uh, out of the WLOS studios there in uh, in Asheville and do a complement of South Carolina, North Carolina, 
games uh, every year and, and North Carolina public schools are not playing, the private schools are going to play. So we have a game a week from uh, tomorrow with uh, Christ School uh, hosting the team from, from down in Georgia. So some of the private schools are going to play. And then we flip over here to South Carolina and well, we've got some great games. The first uh, game we're going to have in South Carolina is Dormant at Gaffney. And right now, Max Preps football rankings, Gaffney's number one in 5A and Dormant's number three. And then we'll have Burns in there as well, Spartanburg. And then we're headed down uh, to Westside and Hannah. So uh, I know everybody uh, excited trying to get back to at least playing a little bit of high school football, and uh, it'll be good for everybody, I think. Hey, you and Dory have uh, kind of a similar experience going on, too, as you're both homeschooling experts now. Oh, no, I, I am definitely not an expert. And, in fact, I'm not homeschooling because here in Powdersville, South Carolina, where we are now sort of headquartering for the next school year, they're in full time. Kindergarten. She started kindergarten. My youngest started kindergarten three weeks ago, full time in person. But we don't want to talk about that. I will get off on a tangent because, yes, they're wearing masks, but they're in school. So, yes, Tom has me beat well, on the homeschooling. I'm moving to Powdersville, Dory. <laughs> Might want to. I'm in, I'm in Greenville. We got two days a week. And like I, I said earlier, I mean, I'm talking about distributed properties. I know more about Hamlin. I know more about South Carolina history and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But they would, they would much rather have their mom who has to work. <laughs> so we're all trying to kind of adjust here. And uh, it has definitely been, been a challenge, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll muddle through, I guess, uh, so to speak. And hopefully 20 years down the line, you know, this generation will still be okay. <laughs> you're, you're kind of living the uh, what I call the sack Bagley rule in reverse, Tom, because you 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 remember we used to always joke that uh, Sack Bagley when I was working uh, Clemson baseball and he was the, the official scorer, he would travel with with Don Munson and I, and, and he was retired as a longtime educator and and his uh, lovely and very tolerant yeah. wife Betty was still working as a superintendent for one of the Anderson school districts and Sack always said. Not that where Betty could hear him, but always said that it was a sorry woman who couldn't take care of one good man. Uh, but it, it, it sounds like it's kind of backfiring on you because she's out she's out working and you're staying home and, and, and having to now suddenly be the uh, the, the homeschool expert. Yeah. Professor actually, Van Hoy. She, she works at home and, uh, you know, five or like most everybody, five or six conference calls a day. All I'm trying to do is play is play defense. You know, I mean, that's the, the, the best that that I can do, because you, you guys probably know how it is if anybody uh, above the age of uh, nine knows exactly what they're doing with electronic devices, you know? And I said, well, let me look at it and then pull it away. And then again, you know, Dory, we both had the reading glasses on. I can't see it. The font's got to be bigger, you know, things like that. But, you know, back to Zach Bagley there, Dan, is that where you got, when we were traveling Furman basketball, you always got to stop at Dairy Queen, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and even in my post, uh, uh, post, uh, gastric bypass surgery days there have been the occasional stops at dairy queen for an illicit treat every now there and again go. so but uh we won't go too much further into that um th- there's actually a lot of sports to talk about which we've not been able to say for for months but we've come off the first full weekend of of college football at least as full as it can get with three of the five power conferences having played opening weekend of the nfl Major League Baseball has uh, about nine games in its abbreviated regular season remaining before we get to the playoffs. And, and, and we have the Big Ten now reversing course, and they're going to start a season in October and play an eight-game all-conference schedule heading into a conference championship game. So we've got a lot of stuff to get into. Kaba, I'll start with you. Just your, your takeaways from what you saw in, in – week one big picture of the almost full opening of college football well i'll uh clemson was crisper than i expected partial spring practice uh uh, less than normal summer uh thought it's pretty solid this saturday of course will be a baby seal clubbing um and then um i've been following the only thing, other thing I've been following, other than the drama in the Big Ten, is the NHL. So I, uh, 
I have a nephew who works for the Tampa Bay Lightning. So uh, uh, trying to get a member of the family a Stanley Cup ring. So uh, so you're gonna start dropping. You're gonna yeah. start dropping some hockey terms on us. Uh, stand on your head. A yeah. uh, offsides. Yeah. Uh, I got the hockey hair going, in, in, don't I? Oh yeah, yeah, hockey hair. <laughs> in, into the five hole. Fun. It's been a. Uh, the other night was kind of a snoozer, two to one, double overtime. But um, I, I've really enjoyed. It's probably the most hockey I've watched in, I guess, forever. But uh, <laughs> it is, uh, it is, it's really, uh, it's really good. I mean, I and you say, well, if if COVID is so bad, how are we playing hockey? But they, they're going at it and they're beating on each other and there's fights and it looks pretty normal. So, uh, but it's been. Uh, Lightning are very entertaining. Dallas is the Western Conference champ is waiting on the winner of, uh, of the Lightning and uh, Islanders in uh, game six is tonight. So, um, as they say, there's nothing like a game seven in playoff hockey, but hopefully the Lightning will be able to avoid that. Would the Stanley Cup, Cobb, make a visit to your, your home there? Fingers crossed. I might have to drive to Tampa to touch it, but uh, – yeah, I might, I might get that opportunity. So I you know, a guy that I used to work with, his uh, his wife worked for a bank in Philadelphia, and the uh, cup actually came in her bank one day when the uh, Flyers won it many years ago. So. I was going to say, my wife used to work for WYFF and when we first got here, and, and I happened to be out there one morning. It was a morning show going on, and I was walking down the hallway, and this and these guys had the Stanley Cup. They were wheeling it down on a cart. I mean, they had like the white gloves on and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. pretty cool. Most unique trophy in sports, what a lot of people don't realize is that they carve the names on the trophy. So if you're on the winning team, your name is on the trophy, and they just keep adding rings to the trophy. So Wow. Why am I envisioning these, these social media posts and, and and videos of Cobb Oxford trying to drink sweet tea out of the Stanley <laughs> Cup and dropping sweet it tea. and, and dropping it. Me, I don't know if you told me the owner has said uh, if we win it, everybody gets to drink out of it. And then my buddy from Philadelphia said probably not a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah nowadays, yeah. I've been at the bottom of swimming pools. I mean, there's no, there's no telling where it's been, so – be, be a little sanitation. Yeah, it's san- been- sanitized yeah. for your protection. Sanitized for your protection. <laughs> hey, hey, Dory, uh, those who have been kind of following what we've done uh, on the podcast here can, can almost feel your pain and angst over the lack of sports that we've had to follow. I would imagine you may have been the giddiest of everybody here once we finally got some college football at large this past weekend. Well, I wish you were right. I, I tried to be. I'm still not – you know, right to the point where I want to be in terms of the giddiness. I mean, there were zero fans in the stands and it's hard for me to get past that. I know we're supposed to be thinking, well, at least they're playing, right? And I'm trying to hold on to that. And I'll be honest, I I thought we were going to talk this morning and I was going to be a little more gloomy about it, but Cobb, I'm loving your positive energy this morning. Thank you for that. And now I'm- Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Hold it. People can't see us on Zoom here, but I'm getting my Bible out. Cobb's positive energy. I'm searching. Is that one of the signs of Armageddon? <laughs> oh, goodness. No, let's hope not. Let's well, hope I mean, I, I'm not negative about but I didn't go there. I didn't go there. <laughs> and I've, been, I've pretty much been, I don't know. I Again, you can't go there without being political, and I don't want to go there. But, um, uh Anyway, it, it, uh, I had a, I, just to tell you something negative, I had a call yesterday from a very big Clemson supporter, I mean, big, who said, basically calling me to tell me that he was done. And, uh, and it's all over the sticker on the helmet. And uh, I can't say, I said, I can't say that I blame you. Um, unity's great, love's great. But I think we need to do a little more research before we put BLM on the back of our helmets. I'll just leave it there. 
this from somebody who just said he wasn't going to go political on us, right? I know. <laughs> he went there. But he's right, Cobb. You're so, I want to echo just what you said. And the reason for that is we need to separate. We need to separate politics from sports. Exactly. Keep them separate. All you, got to do, all you have to do is look at the, the stories that have come out in the last two or three days. Ratings in the NFL are way down. Ratings in the NBA way down and they can blame it on COVID. They can blame it on this, but you, okay. You got no fans in the stands. So the only way people can see the games is to watch them on TV and people aren't watching. So you, you add it up and, and tell me what the problem is. And uh, I think I can figure it out for you. And I'm not making $45 million a year. Like the commissions. Well, I'll just say this: you you can't legislate morality, and and you shouldn't politicize humanity. Correct. I I totally, I totally agree. So, totally. I second that. Right. We want we want our sport. We we most of us go to sports to get away from the yang yang, and now they brought the yang yang to the sports. And it and it's just polluted the waters. Well, I think. Yeah, I, what I'm all right. So so we're going down a road we said we wouldn't go here. I know, but 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 but, but, but let, let 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 me make this point. Let me make this point. And 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 by and large, I agree. I watch sports to get away from from the other stuff. But to say there mm-hmm. should there should never be any type of of social justice or political i i think I, I think you can't use the the word never there because if if you use the word never we never would have had jackie robinson right we, right. we wouldn't we wouldn't have had the color barrier being broken in 1947 uh and and and, cor- and correcting a a a huge societal wrong that had been perpetrated on mm-hmm. black americans for years you know hundreds of years right. so so to to say never, I, I think you you can't use that word because we have seen examples of, of it working in a positive way and doing things it should have done. I think the the difference here, like like you said, Cobb, is what's the right thing to do versus the organization that's being glorified and perhaps what they really stand for. And, and do 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 some research and make your own decisions as as opposed to just the herd mentality and following the 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 flock. Be you know in the Bible, being a sheep is a good thing. In in, in society today, being a sheep is not a good thing. You need to to be informed to make your own decisions. And Dory's got a hand up. Jason Whitlock had a column this morning, and he's on Outkick and. Every time the dude writes something, he nails it. But he made that point exactly what you just made, talking about how Doc Rivers has has failed because he he doesn't he doesn't follow through on what he preaches. And 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 but his point was, if Jackie Robinson had failed, then we'd have gone back to where we were. I mean, there's certain people, certain you know, blacks through history in sports who have been successful who changed the the landscape and dynamic of sports. And I, you know, I told, I mean, I'm not saying never, but I just think, um, okay, I'm kneeling. I'm against police brutality. Why don't you go meet with the local police chief? Why don't you go on a ride along and see what a cop faces. Uh, why don't you? Why don't you connect there rather than whining and complaining and doing what they're doing? Do some action. Um, I mean, I just, just, and you make that connection. Boom. I mean, I I saw an article the other day. Magic Johnson was somewhere. He says. I have this discussion with my child. He said, even to this day, yeah, I, I've been stopped, but I keep both hands on the wheel. I comply with the police, and that's what you have to do. That's what we have to teach our young people to do. And the, 
And I think the problem is a very simple one to fix. They say it's not, but I do. If you do what the policeman tells you to do, you don't run, you don't bow up against the cops, you do what the policeman tells you to do, and then we don't have a problem. I know that sounds simplistic. Yeah, there's still dirty cops out there, but there's a very, very, very small percentage. Dory, you're, you're, well, you're, 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 I feel like I jinxed us this morning by saying how positive Cobb was. <laughs> now that Cobb, now you're, right, you're, spot on. <laughs> you're spot on. You're spot on, though. In fact, I was going to. I'm sorry. What's that? I said, I'm sorry I went there, but I did. So. No, I'm glad you did. That's actually what I was going to say. I was going to reference Jason Whitlock when he was on the podcast. I wasn't on. I think it was it was either late March, early April. He was on the podcast with you guys. And I know that, I know his stance now from that podcast. I mean, it started with Colin Kaepernick, right? I mean, if, if Colin Kaepernick wants to protest, that's great. I guess why not take it to the city? Take it to the municipality. Keep it separate from your profession. And, of course, I know the other side of the argument is that's why he did it because of the attention that he garnered from it, but there's a time and place. And it, it really is that simple. It doesn't, and, and you can argue every point, but you really and truly, we really and truly should keep politics separate from sports, period. Well, again- I know I, it sounds too simplified, well, but, but it really is that simple. What, what I was gonna say, in, in by and large, I think most people would agree with that, that we use sports as an escape. But, again, I, I don't think you can say never because without Jackie Robinson, if we said never, there wouldn't have been a Jackie Robinson doing what he did. So there are moments in time where it does not just make sense, but where it does has to happen. But I think there's also a way that it has to happen, and we're going down that rabbit trail uh, again, let, let's let's try to circle it back to actually talking about some stuff on yeah. the, uh, on the field here. One of the things that, uh, and and this is uh, episode thirteen of Grumpy Old Broadcasters, Dan Scott, Kyle Oxford, Tom Van Hoy, and uh, Dory Kid Smith. Well, one of the interesting discussions I've heard over the last few weeks is you know the 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 NBA and the National Hockey League are doing the the completion of their season and their postseasons in the bubble. And they're being very successful with it. Major League Baseball chose to do its 60-game regular season outside the bubble. And they have had issues with with COVID outbreaks among teams that did not do what they were supposed to do, the Marlins and the Cardinals. And then there have been some other individual cases as well. But they've also been able to work through it. And we're heading into a postseason where the postseason is going to go into a bubble location. I think the uh, American League is going to be in California. The National League is going to be in Texas or, or vice versa. But what we've seen is we've seen two different approaches to this problem, and, and they've both been, by and large, successful. But the one that intrigues me most, and, and Tom, I'll, I'll go with you on this since you and I are kind of the baseball guys here, Watching Major League Baseball do what it's done, you criticize the way they got to it all you want, and there's plenty to criticize there. But once they started playing the 60 games and how they've had to work through some of these COVID issues, to me, it's been an example for the rest of the country that, hey, we can have something of a normal life again and we just work through the problems here. It's been intriguing to see how they've gone about it versus the NHL and the NBA. Yeah, I'm a little bit surprised that uh, they were able to get as many games in as they did. We heard so much about the the bubble down at, at Disney World and and some other things as well. And you know, they they did some things. They're not traveling to the West Coast, East Coast. They played within the divisions, the American League East, the National League East, and kind of kept it in that particular area. I mean, I, I'm just glad that they they did that. Got into their respective ballparks and able to do that we seem some creative stuff haven't we with the uh, some fans outside the stadium doing some things that they can't come inside and I, I think for the most part it, it's been pretty successful there have been the, those outbreaks to a certain extent and you know this is something that you just never seen before it's unprecedented you got to work your way through it 
But I think uh, when they got to the playoffs, they they're gonna the first round is gonna be at the home ballparks, uh, highest seeds, things like that. But when you eventually get to round two, three, and four, you're gonna be in certain specific areas. I think that's probably a pretty good thing because they want to be able to have the best opportunity. And when you get to the playoffs, because again, it's all being televised, that uh, you get those games in. And that's probably uh, the best way that they can do that to maybe minimize the fact that they may have some COVID problems when you get into the playoffs late into them and you want to be able to complete the season and play the World Series. And, and Cobb, you were talking about kind of finding your way as a as a, an NHL fan all of a sudden because of, of your family connection to the Tampa Bay Lightning and, and they're doing it in the bubble and having a lot of success with it and, and, and Major League Baseball is doing it the other way and, and, and fighting through it to have some success with it. It's just an, an intriguing look at the two different paths that they're hoping lead to the same goal, being able to complete their seasons and play for a world championship. Right. Well, and I, th- I know the World Series is in Dallas at the or Arlington at the new Rangers Stadium. But uh, I, I'm like you. I I was really fed up with MLB, and then they got started, and then the Marlins breakout happened, like week one. And I remember turning on ESPN that morning. And they were just like, "All right, that's it. Let's uh, shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down." And Rod. Manfred said, no, we're not shutting it down. We're going to deal with it. And uh, they've worked through it. And when's, when's the last COVID problem we've heard in MLB? What, week and a half, two weeks ago, maybe? I was just checking the standings, and there's nobody that's really has a wacky amount of games left. I mean, uh, uh, the Marlins have actually played 47 games. Braves have played 50. Uh, so, I mean, it's, yeah, and, um, and the Marlins went two weeks without playing and, right. and, and that's, that's, that's where as, as much as I, as much as I hate it for this scenario, 60 games, that's where the seven inning double headers have, there you go. have, have come into play. Now, I'm still, I'm still out on the ghost runner on second yeah. base. <laughs> uh, even when I softball games at Anderson University. I really didn't like that rule because I felt like it kind of extended the games a lot of times because bunt, sacrifice, fly, bunt, sacrifice, fly, bunt. I mean, we'd go to the 14th or 15th inning till somebody actually did something that broke the jam. But uh, it seems to have worked, and I don't know what the players feel about it, but um, – I, uh, and there's different strategies. I mean, you play for the big inning. Do you walk the guy and go for the double play? Do you bunt and then go for the sacrifice fly? I mean, well, the 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 best the best I'm news not a whole lot of strategy. The the, again, the, you know? the best news I've heard, if I read this correctly, and Tom, maybe maybe you saw the same thing, or maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. But when we get to the postseason, they're not going to use the the runner at second base to start yeah. the tenth inning. Is that correct? I think that's what I, I heard as well. Uh, you know, you and I, when we started doing the Greenville Drive games, it was a unique situation for me and you. Like, hey, there's a runner on second base here, <laughs> here in the damn inning. And here's the other thing about that is what's a lost start in baseball? The ability to bunt, the, bunt, the, bunt so you get somebody on second base. Who's at the plate you're asking to bunt? I don't know if you guys saw, but with Eric Cosmer, the Padres, tries to bunt the other day with two strikes, with two strikes on ends up, you know, with a broken finger or an injured finger just trying to bunt, and particularly with two strikes on given the circumstances. So, uh, yeah, I think that I think that's a good idea. Let's just go back in the games of this magnitude. Let's decide them. And we know why they went to the ghost runner and things like that to try to, you know, 60 games and number of innings on a pitching staff and things like that. So, you know, there are a lot of things that you had to adjust to just because of the certain circumstances. Well, all, all you need to know about this particular rule, and this goes back uh, three or four weeks ago. I can't remember the team that was involved, but they went to the 10th inning and started with the runner at second base, and the guy who was supposed to bat third in the inning never got to hit. You, you know, you get three outs in an inning, you know, one batter, two batter, three batters. But in this case – uh, there was a strikeout and a line out into a double play, and the guy who was supposed to hit third in the inning never got the bat. <laughs> I've got the bat. <laughs> cheapens the game. Yeah. Che- yeah. Cheap cheapens the game. Um, so I'm glad that they're not going to do that. Well, and look at 
well hockey's done. I mean, in the first round of the playoffs, the Lightning had a five-overtime game. And in this series, there's been, I think, two overtime games. They went double overtime the other night. Hockey basically says, we're going to play till somebody drops. And uh, so it uh, – and, and you know what? They kept the integrity of the sometimes sport. Sometimes the pressure mounts. Sometimes the pressure mounts. Sometimes you wish this would end. You know, <laughs> so it uh, it depends on your point of view. I, I guess the best news is – uh, and even though Dory's not as giddy as we hoped we should be, or we hope she would be, but we, we are now having some sports to talk about. And, and, and as we transition to another big piece of news, and, and we're recording this on, on Thursday uh, the 17th of September, yesterday on September 16th, the Big Ten finally made its expected announcement that they're reversing course and they're going to play – uh, what will now be an abbreviated eight-game season, conference games only, beginning uh, in the middle of October. And, and I'll just throw that out at you. And, and Dory, I'll, I'll start with you. How much of that do you think is is new information and rapid testing? How much do you think is uh, pressure that they were getting uh, internally from their own coaches and, and from parents and boosters and everybody else? Well, I think it's a combination of all of the above, but let me ask you this. What league, what conference is going to play in the spring? Well, right now the Pac-12, the the Mid-American Conference, and just about every FCS conference. Okay, so this was, in fact, news. I think it's just, honestly, other teams playing and the heat that is coming up from the athletic departments, why are we not playing? You know, again, everything is so fluid, and the way it's – coming down and creating these bubbles. I hope we're not setting ourselves up for failure. We just have to get through it. So I'm trying to look at the, the silver lining. Yes, they're playing. I don't know. I want to hear both Tom's and Cobb's opinion on it because it's still hard for me to get on board until we start actually getting back to a sense of normalcy, not the new normal, because the more we accept it, the more it continues. Do you think this is going to be okay the way we're approaching this, Tom, Cobb? You mean in terms of playing you know, the Big Ten coming back and playing the eight games? Correct. And then, of course, still playing football in the spring as well. When we're going to have other sports going on. How is this going to really shake out? Well, you I know, think the big – the big. I'm kind of surprised the Big Ten did that just because it, it got to the chancellor, president level. They've already made a decision. Their, their uh, commissioner said, we're not going to revisit this at all. And, you know, I think uh, a lot of the circumstances that dictated – that the decision, the way the decision was, was made. And you got a couple of, of uh, presidents in the Big Ten that uh, are doctors uh, that have this kind of background on, on the science part of things as well. But the, the other thing you can't overlook is how monetarily what it means. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of universities have either dropped some programs or they're in the process of, of making all kinds of financial adjustments. And, the ability to get that kind of revenue generated in the Big Ten, they got the Fox uh, TV contract, and it calls for eight games. How, how many games are they going to play? Eight, and then you go to a championship game, and and, the, and that's the ninth game, and then everybody else is going to play what's called a consolation game, if, if what I read is correct. So, and then you get into the old: uh, is that enough games in terms of are they going to be uh, eligible to for the college football playoffs? Uh, are you going to be able to get nine? Are you going to get nine games in nine weeks? I mean, right now it's built into maybe like Clemson and ACC and some others to be able to have a week or two off. Baylor didn't play. Some others haven't played. Arkansas State, who just beat uh, Kansas State uh, without nine starters and thirteen players because of certain circumstances, and they're not playing this week against Central Arkansas. So there's at least some built-in situations in the others that they may be able to get some games in. So I don't know. They've got nine games, nine weeks. We'll see if it plays out that way. And then the Pac-12, as Dan was talking about, let's see what they do with the rapid testing and all that kind of stuff and, and the decisions that are made locally out of California and Oregon. And, Tom, after the first weekend of play, I think the Big 12 might have wished it had decided not to yes. play until the spring, right? Yeah. They, they need Bring some COVID. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, that's what's kind of, kind of cool, though. I mean, Arkansas State wins at Kansas State, and, and and then Billy Napier and his Louisiana team goes in and, and wins at Iowa State. And, and, of course, Coastal Carolina from down this our part of the country 
goes into Lawrence and plays a game at the you know, kicked off kickoff there at 1025 Eastern time. And, you know, those are great, great wins. I mean, Arkansas State gets 500, what, 550,000 K-State, I think. Uh, 350,000 is what Louisiana got from Iowa State. And, and uh, you know, Coastal Carolina ought to want to open and play Kansas every year. That's two consecutive. So, yep, it was a tough one. And and uh, it was a great one for the Sun Belt. And, of course, App State's in there, Tulane's in there. I mean, it's it's that's pretty cool for them. But it was a, definitely a black eye for the Big 12. The Big 10 tried to lead, tried to be the adult in the room and say, hey, we're out of here. Y'all follow us. And the Pac-12, of course, being no factor and being in California, Oregon, Washington, where everything's been shut down, so it sounds good to us. And then when nobody else followed, it was like, uh-oh, we've messed up. And uh, so it took parents, it took players, it took, I imagine, some major donors saying – you know, but but have have you, have you guys ever seen? You, normally, they're in a situation like this. There there is massive. I was surprised. There, there's 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 there's, really, ma- there's massive disagreement behind closed doors. But right. but when it comes time to make the public announcement, they 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 make an announcement that 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 says that they're they're unified, and, and everybody just kind of falls in behind that. In this case, that didn't happen. The Big Ten said that, well, we voted, and there's some question whether they, the chancellor was actually ever voted or not. But the minute that was announced, the coaches in the Big Ten said, hey, wait a minute, what's going on here? And, and, and there was no show of unity inside that conference from the minute Kevin Warren made that announcement. You know, I, I don't know what was said behind closed doors after that was done, but that was one of the most remarkable things about this, to see that conference almost imploding on itself once that announcement was made. There was no show of unity, whether it was false unity or not. There was no show of unity at all. Well, and we're not going to play, but, hey, we're going to practice. Yeah. Practice. <laughs> that makes no sense. I mean, zero. Zero. You know, I mean – they knew they messed up, and so they spent another month hemming and hawing, trying to figure out how to get out of this mess. And, um, you know, now I think I read what the, the vote was unanimous, which now some people are questioning whether it was unanimous or not. But so well, they're going to play football. Great. So 9-0, Tom, 9-0 Ohio State gets into the playoff. I yep. don't care what to say. I mean, whoever – Whoever wins the Big Ten will get into the playoff. If they're eight and one, I don't know if six and six and three would get you in, or seven and two. Well, but well let me, certainly if you're eight and one, I think if you're eight and one and you're nine and zero, oh, you will get one of the four spots. Uh, unless you have a Clemson that goes undefeated again, like like it has, uh, and, and rolls through the ACC. They'll be in there. What if Oklahoma steamrolls the Big 12 again? And what if you have, say, an Alabama and an LSU in the SEC? Those those conferences are all going to play 10-11 and with a championship game, maybe 12 games. Maybe a 9-0 Big 10 champion doesn't get in. Oh, no, no. You're wrong. You are wrong, Mooseface. 9-0 Big 10 champion. And I'm not – believe me, I'm no drum thumper for the Big 10. I think they – I think they called this off way too early. I mean, everybody knows this thing is so fluid and there's new developments every day. Um, There's, I don't know how many entities closing in on a vaccine. Uh, The the testing has gone from waiting 48 hours to spitting in a cup and getting a result in 10, 15 minutes. I mean, the developments, it was way too early to call it off. And somebody should have gotten in the commissioner's face and shook him and said, no, let's wait a little while. Why are we- well, but, but see, the, commission, the commissioner didn't make the decision. The commissioner announced the decision that the chancellor yeah, told him to announce. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He did get he hung got- out to dry, but it was the chancellors who made the decision, not Kevin Warren. Kevin yeah. Warren just had to be the one to stand up and say, this is what yeah, we've decided. Very well either. And then, you know, Nebraska's talking about, 
hey, the Big 12 playing. I think we'll go back. I'm playing. Play. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. Hey, Dory, <laughs> we, we've learned a lot of lessons in public relations during this, haven't we? <laughs> I don't know about PR, but we are definitely learning a lot. And I, you know what? I want to ask you, speaking of not making sense, Cobb, fluidity, and all of that. Oh. So when the NCAA makes a ruling. You're asking the right person. <laughs> establishing these new rules. Is there a caveat that this is subject to change? I hope. Did you guys hear about? Um, I'm jumping from one sport to another, but we haven't talked about college basketball. Of course, we're not there yet, but it's right around the corner. And I heard yesterday that Division One coaches would not be able to go out and recruit until after the new year. January first. Dead period has been extended until the end of the year. Well, but only for D1. So, what is the rationale there? I'm curious. They can recruit. They just can't have anybody on campus. There's no. You can. I don't still, think they're allowed to go to any games either. They, they can't. Exactly. Right. They're not allowed to go out. Recruits are not allowed to come in. But you know, there's still going to be contact. I mean. So we're we're really trying to create a bubble. That's what we're doing. In a sense, and and, and in the NCAA's announcement about basketball yesterday, uh, and for those of you who may have missed it, they're they're going to move the season back in effect two weeks and have a a November twenty first or 25th, start the day before Thanksgiving. I applaud that. I applaud it. Even in a regular year, basketball should not start until Thanksgiving weekend. But, but, the, but the, cave, the caveat to all of that was that yeah, this is what we're saying now, but if there's you know another outbreak, if there's something that changes that, then you know, we reserve the right to go back and, and, and change the changes that we just changed. So to speak. Well, I understand they also came up with you have to play a minimum of 13 games to make the NCAA tournament, which is where I think the ACC coaches proposal was really cool. Now, the NCAA squashed it real quick. Well, and they should have squashed it. Let's let everybody play in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, how are you going to do that? You, 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 know, you know why they did that? It only adds an extra week. You know why I mean, they did that? They, they did that because they did not want – the ACC does not want to play non-conference games. Right. ACC is not going to play non-conference games. Well, they, they, they say that now. We'll see, we'll see what happens. They are not – that basketball is very much going to take the football model and, and go non-conference. Oh, so – Tom, I was not a fan of 356 teams in the NCAA no, tournament. I, yeah, me, me oh, either. Just right. <laughs> how about that, about Dora? Your basketball. What, what did you think about that proposal by the ACC, where everybody plays? I don't know. Maybe you got to start right now. I don't know. Well, honestly, I am because things are so fluid. I'm just sort of sitting back. I'm getting little updates here and there from you guys. I'm depending on you guys to keep me apprised of what's going on. But everything changes seemingly by the day. So I don't have an opinion just yet. All I know is I'm ready to get. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I have an opinion. I'm just trying to keep it to myself. What, 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 shock, what shocks me, what shocks me is that I, I think all, all of us, shut up for a minute, Cobb. Let me talk. I, th- <laughs> I, I think what shocks me is all of us on here have one philosophy in common, if nothing else, and that is we are not a participation trophy fan and yet Cobb is here saying, let's give everybody a participation trophy. No. Is that right, Cobb? <laughs> Can you imagine how much fun it would be it, to see a 356-team NCAA tournament? I mean, just just imagine it. I, just, I mean, yeah, the first-round games would be dogs. They really would. They wouldn't be very good, but I, nah, I, even, it only adds to even well, a minute ago, it only added a week. What? It waters down everything. I haven't done the math, but I think you can whittle 356 to around 68 with two rounds. So, yeah. We, Sounds like e-learning to me, Cobb. I, yeah. mean, I feel there's a possibility that might happen. Yeah, are, are, the Van, are the Van Hoy girls here? Can they do that math for us real quick? Yeah, they're actually in school Oh, that's today. right. That's why. That's right. Oh, no, no, Dory. It's, it's, it's not going to happen. The NCAA squashed that as soon as they put it out. Okay. I was going to say Vegas would have a real big time oh, with that. Oh, man. How about that? Can you imagine you could say $10 billion 
bracket contest. If you get right. every game right, there's no way. That would be so cool. Now, now here, here, here's here's what I I might be willing to consider for this year is one of the other proposals I heard that maybe for one year only expanding it to a 96-team tournament. But to me, if we're going to have every conference playing and we're able to get through the conference seasons, then let's go ahead and have the normal tournament. I think the other thing that the the ACC doesn't want to do, and, and this is kind of shocking considering how, how much – inside its legacy the tournament is, I don't think they want to have a conference tournament. I think they want to go from a regular season directly into a postseason bubble in an NCAA tournament setting. Right. That's correct. That's the way I read it. That that was the reason they proposed the 356 and do away with conference championship weekends. Just go right into the NCAA tournament. Yeah, well, that that, uh, apparently is not going to happen. So – we, uh, we'll continue to watch it. As Dory said, though, as we've been talking about it, it's all very fluid. But at least now we have some kind of parameters to watch. And, and it's just like for uh, FCS football that's going to play in the spring. You know, it's not been made official yet, but I'm told that we're going to play uh, eight, eight conference games beginning the first weekend of February, eight games in nine weeks, and that a 16-team instead of a 24-team FCS um, playoff bracket will begin in April, so they'll have a champion. You know who's most excited? You know who's most excited about everything playing in the spring? SIDs. Yes, they're just thrilled. Yeah, and game ops people. <laughs> Touch of sarcasm. Some of those people are gonna die. They're little. They really are. They're just you're gonna find them prone in the press. Well, box. you know, and it, it's it's going to be taxing enough on schools like, say, Clemson, which has a large sports information department and, and can draw from a large number of, of student assistants that work in the sports information department. You look at a school like Furman, where, uh, where I work, there are five people in the sports information department, gang, and that's it. And we're going to have 18 sports playing in the spring. Wow. If, if, you, if you count basketball crossing over, after the first of the year and going, you know, going through March. So, uh, it, yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. You know, Hunter, Hunter Reed uh, is, is already gray. Jordan Caskey's already losing his hair. So uh, th- those, uh, those processes are going to be uh, uh, rapidly moving forward, I would think. Tell them not to call me. I'm retired. <laughs> I, I, was, I was once a one-man operation in a D2 school, and let me tell you, February is no fun when you've got two basketballs and wrestling and then all of the spring sports start February 1. So you do the math. There was there were some long days. So I can know what they're getting ready to face, and it's going to be brutal. Hunter Reed has your number on speed dial. I'm, that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> I just hope his name pops up when he calls. <laughs> Gang, we've covered a lot of ground here today. Anything else on your mind you want to get to before we shut down this episode that seems to be more rambling than anything? U.S. <laughs> Open starts today and uh, at Wingfoot, which is one of the more difficult major venues. No fans, of course, which I don't know. Golf without fans, I don't think is – I mean, it's still different, but it's not near as uh, – Different, I think, as the other sports. It's so, not like they uh, not like they can cheer when the guys are in their backswing anyway. Yeah. To me, to me, to me, if you want to test the true metal of a golfer, have them face the same kind of crowd experience that other that other other uh, athletes have to face. But that's that's just me. I know you're a big golf guy. What was that? I know. Full top contact golf. Right. That's what you had. to Hooking, slashing, <laughs> tripping, whatever it takes. Tom, anything else? Yeah, I was just uh, like Dory said earlier. It's like, yeah, I'm glad it's back. But I mean, when I'm flipping through there watching the games on on Saturday, and I came to uh, uh, the North Carolina game, and and like there's nobody there, and it's just it was really really strange to see. And the same thing with 
with Clemson and Wake Forest. They didn't allow too many, you know, spectators in there. I think, what is it, 50 or something in, in the state of North Carolina right now. It, it, I'm glad it was there. It just had kind of a eerie feeling. And it's one of those things, too. I mean, and Cobb's talked about how Clemson was how crisp we were, how they looked. You know, you got to be able to focus. you got to be able to go out there and, and, and play uh, under those circumstances. I mean, we all grew up playing, but never at that level. You know, there might have been 15 people in the stands. It's different now, and particularly at the Division One level. We're used to 81,000. And, Cobb, what are we going to have, 19,000 at, at Clemson this weekend? At least you're going to have some folks in the stands. I rode up to the stadium Monday, and I'm telling you, it looks like a whole lot more than 19,000. I mean, the <laughs> – Chairbacks are set in a regimented form, and I, it just looks like more than 19,000. But, Tom, on your point, one of Davo's best quotes of the preseason has been, I'll always tell them that championships are made when the stadium is empty. There you go. There you go. Yeah, and, and never, <laughs> never mind the fact that the Clemson-Wake Forest game, there were 300 people on the field and sidelines but only 50 were allowed 50 in the stands. Stand, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. Come perfect. on. Yeah, come on. Anyway. It's crazy. And then you look at Kansas State, and they're like, hey, their stands are full at Kansas State. Eh? And Notre Dame had – I think Notre Dame has had the coolest approach, really, if you have to limit. They've limited it to students, faculty, and staff. That's who gets in the game. And – uh yeah, it at least creates some atmosphere from the people who it means the most to. So. Dory, final thought? Well, I'm just taking it all in. So, K-State, going back to that, K-State had fans in the stadium? Yeah, they I had. I need to hear this. Right? No social okay, distancing with those students, was there? <laughs> yep, they had about 19,000 or so. I think okay. it's something like that. Maybe, maybe less than that because their stadium only seats about 50, 55. Well, that's good to hear, though. I am excited for Clemson to host, and like Cobb said, hopefully it will appear more than nineteen thousand. Although no, I still can't get over the no tailgating. I just that's a tough one to swallow for Clemson. But again, we are playing. We have kicked off the actual college football season. You guys told me that it was going to happen, and I I was hopeful, and you were right. It's not happening the way we want it, but it's happened. So cheers to that. Is there anything else other than I'm going to also, I need to start watching NHL, according to Cobb, because <laughs> I want to get become a fan so I can see some sweet tea be consumed out of the uh, Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, and I have, again, the mullet's growing out here, but I have, I have the hair for hockey. So I'll become a hockey fan. Yeah. What, what was the, the, you know, the what, quarantine what, cut? What was, uh, <laughs> what was uh, the, the, the coach, uh, Gretzky's coach Mike in LA. Gundy. Mike Gundy. She's got the Gundy. Coach. Well, yeah, but I was talking Barry Melrose. That's who I was thinking. Yeah, of. Barry. Barry, yeah, Barry, Barry got the Barry Melrose mullet yeah. going on. Great. Hey, oh, uh, goodness. Dan, Dan, but before we leave, Cobb, the last time I watched hockey was was when uh, I was at NBC that they had the, the they they show you they were trying to show you how, where the puck was going and they had the like the red light or whatever. Well, that's the last time I watched. Hockey. Oh, I, I'm first one to. Admit, it's it is a very difficult game to watch on TV, but in, in person, it's the best thing I've ever been to. Oh yeah, really. Ho- hockey in person is phenomenal. I've I've told you that. Hockey live with a decent seat is it's just terrific. I you may just, I, I may have told you guys uh, the story. I'll tell it very quickly. Uh, Angela and I had had, go, had just you. been married. Hey, I got I got things to do. She's giving me a to do list today, pal. Uh, but we 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 had we had been married less than a year. We were living in West Virginia, and we decided to take a, a a date night and drive to Huntington, West Virginia, to go to dinner and and to watch a a, a very low level minor league hockey team that had had come to Huntington at that time. So we're talking about nineteen. 89 early 1990 and neither one of us had ever been to a hockey game we happened to get front row seats right at the glass looking you know uh, down the I guess what would be the the sideline or the the end line towards the goalie and the game was two game was two or three minutes old and some guy got smashed into the glass right in front of us and my young beautiful bride's countenance changed her eyes lit up, and, and it was almost like she grew horns. And she spent the rest of the game standing up, 
banging on the glass, <laughs> yelling, slam him, slam him. She she wanted to see violence. And it was like, and, and I've told her this, it's, so it's not like I'm saying anything behind her back. It's like every stereotypical story you used to hear about little old ladies at wrestling, <laughs> hit, hitting wrestlers with umbrellas and doing all this thing. That's how she was at a hockey match. And anytime now I say, hey, let's go watch hockey, she's like, let's go. So... <laughs> Anyway, that's awesome. Andrew hey, and I will become fans. Yeah. That's a Yay. pretty romantic like date night, Dan. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I, I just, I just filed that away on the drive home. It was about a ninety-minute drive home, and it was, you know, note to self: do not make <laughs> this woman angry. You know, <laughs> to watch that change happen like that. But uh, no, it was, it, it was fun, and we do okay. enjoy going to watch. Uh, Watch minor league hockey. I got when I exposed can. to the game back when I was a first and second grader. I had a, a classmate whose father owned part of the Salem Rebels, Salem, Virginia, and uh, we used to go regularly to to the hockey game. And uh, it uh, that's where I learned. And, and again, I haven't. I mean, I wish I had lived in a town that had an NHL team, but. Um, it, I really have. I really have. I've watched most. If I haven't watched them live, I've taped them. And I, I'm a, you know, a. I'm yeah. becoming a fuckhead. Well, and and you know what, ho- ho- hockey fans, when it comes to the purity of the game, are, are probably uh, as intense or maybe even more intense than older baseball fans about the the purity of the sport. Do you guys remember? 15 years ago or so when Fox got the the NHL contract for television and to try to make it easier for fans to follow the action they they put the the, the little microchip inside the puck that made the puck glow on the TV screen so you okay. could follow the glowing puck on the screen cuz that's one of the one of the complaints about watching hockey on television is you can't follow the puck. Well, Fox says, okay, we've got a solution for that. We'll make the puck glow. Hockey fans lost their minds. They absolutely went berserk over that to the point that Fox quit doing it. So don't mess with hockey fans. (laughs) Cobb, do not drop damage even breathe the wrong way on that Stanley Cup if you get a chance to see it. That's why those guys handle it with white gloves, man. Oh, my goodness. Have we done enough damage for one episode? <laughs> I, I, I think I have. I think I probably will not get another invite. But Oh, no, you're on, you're on the permanent list. I, yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. I have enjoyed it. We might need to delete some of mine. Oh no, um, I'm having you know second thoughts. I don't. I don't know. We don't need to talk about politics. That's all there is to it. You said we're not. We're it's it is it is recorded. Not nothing gets deleted. In fact, I may highlight it, pull it out, and throw it up on social media. Come yeah. see what Dory said. You guys do a much better job <laughs> articulating. I'm just learning, listening, and learning, and enjoying it. So it's good to see all of you. And I'm glad you're well. Tom Van Hoy, hang in there. I the will. I'm trying to. Children. I got great perspective now that I never had dating back to March 13th of last year. Well, you'll, you, you can have a day job as a teacher, certified <laughs> teacher practically now. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> He's certifiable, but in many, there many other ways. Many other ways. <laughs> Gang, I enjoyed it. Let's make sure we don't wait another month to do it again, special guest or no. Will do. Great. Enjoyed it. Works for me. And with that, we wrap up a uh, rambling but fun edition, uh, episode 13, in fact, of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. We'll uh, remind you that it's available wherever you find podcasts, including now on TuneIn Radio. So if you have that app, uh, and that's an easier way for you to get it, Apple, Google, uh, Amazon, Alexa, all of those things, you can find it, and we are there, and now TuneIn Radio is part of that as well. Spotify, there's, there's really no uh, excuse for you not finding the, uh, the podcast. Now, whether you like it when you listen to it, then you may have a legitimate excuse, but that's another story for another time. I'll remind you again that we are made possible by our friends at Tadaro Pizza, 116 North Markley Street, 
in uh, downtown Greenville, the west end of the city of Greenville, South Carolina. Todaropizza.com, T-O-D-A-R-O, pizza.com. You can find out all the great things John and his staff have going there. And if you'd like to uh, drop me a line and uh, talk about some of the things that you've heard, do so. The Dan Scott Show at gmail.com. The Dan Scott Show at gmail.com. We'll be back in a week or so with another episode of Grumpy Old Broadcasters. Until then, for Cobb and Tom and Dory, I'm Dan Scott. As always, saying God bless you and so long, everybody.